Here on the podcast, it's the voices of everyday people discussing a wide range of topics from video games to string theory to why you should find a beer that best suits your taste buds. Gambler will probably be the best for that. So we don't have any sponsors right now. And due to the political climate of voices being silenced and deplatformed due to the differences of opinion, we will be trying to fundraise as grassroots as we can. So you can donate at Money Sign by Cameron Avilas on the Cash App. Again, that is Money Sign by Cameron Avilas on the Cash App. A space, this podcast will be a place where we can talk about a variety of different subjects. So if you think there's something that's not being covered that you would like us to go over, you can email us at aspacepodcast at gmail.com. Again, that is aspacepodcast at gmail.com. And we'll take up most topics and we'll talk about it on here. Anything is welcome. We will cover a wide range of topics. So uh, air that email out. Controversial subjects and topics are okay and uncontroversial first ones are okay too let us know all right let's talk about talk about that one about that one yeah. About politics, well, first off, just like, what do you think about every candidate? Mm, uh, I haven't done my research into a lot of the candidates because there's so many. And this is, I apply the same principle to my politics as I did to uh, wedding planning. If it survives the first two rounds of eliminations, <laughs> then I'll take time to look at it. Okay, Like, it's too much work. Yeah, And, you know, you can bounce back and forth from too many candidates as to, oh, I like this person at this point. I like that person at that point, which I think you should do. I don't think you should just dead set yourself on one person. Yeah. Because even if they do get elected, they're not going to be able to do everything they say that they want to do. That's yeah. just reality. And if you look at the history of Congress and the executive branch or the presidential position, generally speaking, when America has elected a red president, the Congress rebounds the opposite way and they elect a majority blue Senate or a majority blue House. And so that creates a stalemate or vice versa. Like in Obama's case, his first two years was deadlocked because we had a red Senate and a red House. And so Obama couldn't get anything done. His cabinet couldn't get initiatives passed because every time they wanted to introduce a bill with a senator, every other senator wanted to tack on some shit to that initiative, try and get it passed or to sabotage it so that it wouldn't get passed. Me personally, I think that Tulsi Gabbard is probably the most qualified and relatable just because she's Mm -hmm. a veteran. Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of people can relate to that. Mm -hmm. Um, Kamala Harris seems to be very flawed as a candidate, and Bernie will never be popular. I mean, come on. We all like the idea yeah. of Bernie's politics, and where he's, yeah. and he's definitely the most consistent mm. and longest-running candidate, mm-hmm. but, you know. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, it's hard when, it, you see him, when you see a candidate choose to fall on their sword after drumming up all the support like he did in right. the last presidential run. He drummed up all the support, and then he, he did the solidarity thing, right, right which is he told the party line, he said, okay, to the DNC, and then DNC rolled his ass back home, yeah. and now he's an independent. Right, right. So, that, and that's that's a key thing about, like, a presidential candidate is when the, this is the thing about presidents is that they come from a party line, right? Yeah. They're picked out of a party of people, right? Oftentimes, the political support is there because the party picking them thinks that when they're president, they will execute that office and support the party's motions and laws and be cooperative in that office. But the thing Which about a president is that... I'm sorry? So, which is, because you have, like, two allegiances right. to the country and the right. well-being and of the country and to the well-being of the party, which is right. kind of so, like see, a faction. See, that's the problem we have today and in, in the way people interpret the presidential office, right, is mm-hmm. that they view the president going into it as a piece of this 
party, not understanding that, yes, they come from that party because that's basically the training ground and the molding ground for somebody who's going to be on the political board on a global scale, right? And yet a president has to understand at some point, once you're elected, it's not about which party you came from. It can't be about the partisanship. Right. It's got to be about, I've been put in this office well, by ideally, the people. Yeah, ideally. Right? Yeah. Ideally, if you're going to be the optimal president, you have to be able to look at your party and go, okay, this is not what we're going to do. This right. is not what we need right now. It's important. It might be important in your district. It might be important in seven districts across the country or in seven states or in 20 states or in 25 states out of the 50, right? But is it what the entire country needs to keep moving forward and keep surviving as a union, right? right? That's the president's job. But at some point, if you're going to be the president that is remembered, even as a single-term president or a two-term president, if you're going to be a president that is remembered as president, not as a figurehead for their party, you have to look at your party and be able to go, I'm going to take this fight against the people that put me here. Right. Well, this is like, ideally, like, agendaless. Agendaless is what we want. Right. right. That's not always what we get. Is what we get a lot. It's like, well, people like... Um, mm-hmm. Bernie Sanders, who he definitely has an agenda. He definitely has. Oh yeah, exactly what he wants to do. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. one that you can really go on is like Donald Trump. Definitely has an agenda for yeah. his party, what he wants to do. Right, and I feel like most of which he benefits from. Right, I feel like Tulsi Gabbard is like the least agenda-driven <laughs> candidate at this point in the moment. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What do you think? Out of all the Democratic candidates, I think you can make that argument, but at the same time, I think it's impossible to be agenda-less in politics, right? There's always something everybody's trying to get done, even at a, as a state senator or a house representative for your state, right? And Which is one of the things Tulsi Gabbard excels at, as right. being from a small state, the youngest in the union, right? Yeah. Well, anything that gets done in her favor in Congress gets done through a collaborative effort of other states that also need that accomplished in their states, right? Or she can help, right? She can, she'll go out of her way to help and benefit those people, right? Yeah. To get what she needs done as her, as the representative of her state. Yeah. Right. She got her first bill passed, I think, in her first six months of being elected, which is almost unheard of. Yeah. And as a state senator, especially from one of the smallest states in the union. Right. Um, and so I think that that kind of efficiency and cooperative nature is a key thing that a president needs to have in, in bringing the two major parties together on partisanship law, like the Affordable Health Care Act or universal health care or uh, universal basic income, right? How do we get conservatives who are largely concerned about the assimilation of technology, pushing the common folk out of the workplace, which they need to survive, right? And then also bringing, keeping those people at the table with the innovators in Silicon Valley who are driving the tech revolution, right? You need that collaborative peacekeeper talent as a president just just for the state that's not even to speak of the talent you have to have to work with people from uh, people and leaders from other countries that have entirely different bills of rights or lack thereof right yeah well i think i think the president in this day and age tries to delegate down to the party and it's just when we talk about like president and them serving their party we're really talking about a president and their ability to organize their political allies to be able to uh, like to achieve a common goal and i really think i jive a lot with what tulsi gabbard trying to do right. and 
how mm-hmm. she would be able to organize everyone because by how you describe how she gets work and business done it's kind of like you know she definitely be that person to definitely organize everybody correctly around the right issues yeah so yeah that's why I'm coming out yeah I'm definitely I am definitely pro Tulsi Gabbard I think she should get primary bid mm-hmm. um, particularly uh, if the Republicans are not going to put up anybody else to run against Trump yeah. which they're likely not but they could yeah they could I mean Lord knows Ted Cruz we have to go no 12 rounds right? <laughs> or uh, who's that um, Paul Ryan yeah who's like basically done at the point at the oh point. yeah he, he could throw in his hat just to piss off Trump right he'd be like ah, I'm coming back son two more rounds you ain't got rid of me yet so funny that would be hilarious uh, but no I think I think if the Democrats are gonna win they gotta have Tulsi Gabbard out there one because she's as far as I've been able to find and tell you can't she has nothing in her reputation to ding her with right there's right. no lock her up chant or send her back chant that you can throw at her it's widely known well you could try well i don't think it's gonna win have you seen that documentary on netflix about uh about uh cambridge analytica or is that is that the name of cambridge Cambridge analytics yeah i Analytica. followed a lot yeah. of that with the uh in terms of like the legal and legislative fallout so the what, with that. so apparently the whole lock her up thing was a marketing campaign Mm-hmm. organized by the company so not even like I'm not surprised the campaign at all. it was just like a marketing thing like they they laid it out how they just mm-hmm. targeted people found out what made them angry and what right. made more the most interactions mm-hmm. Which, troll like, farming. which like sparked this whole no not even troll farming just like, like definitely that, what they were talking about with like how like social media mm-hmm. the algorithm is based on people's interactions so mm-hmm. people interact people's more outrage. With, right with stuff yeah. that makes them angry yeah. so they mm-hmm. gathered all that information and they found out that this is what yeah. all these people are rallying around them. Yeah, I was following the whole legal exculpation of that in uh, the UK when that hit in Cambridge Analytica leaders and execs were standing trial because the UK took it seriously. We didn't take it that serious here in the US. Like we labeled it Russia and trolls and and there was a lot of that, but we didn't go after the people that did it because they were in a different country. Cambridge Analytica is based out of the UK. Yeah. And the UK took it seriously because they wanted to make sure that their their elections weren't tampered with in the same way. Which and of is course they found they out that it that sort of was, but not to a significant right. degree. Which and is probably why they passed that law about like content creation and stuff like that. That that I gotta look it up. It's the one that like kind of restricted fair use or mm. stuff like that. I don't know. Yeah, but if you're listening, you can like yeah. email aspacepodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, let us know if there's a specific link or article that really delves into that specific ruling that we that we could look up and circle back to. Um, but I think the problem the problem is twofold with big tech right now. Right, Cambridge Analytics show data mm-hmm. is a resource that we didn't know was valuable, right? Until it was right. already out of the bag, right? right? It's like all the miners who missed the gold rush in California, and now they're out there trying to find the last gold vein in California, yeah. right? That's where everybody else is right now. Mm-hmm. Like, how can I use my data to my advantage to build myself up, right? Yeah. And Cambridge Analytica showed us that it's a tool. Like anything else, it can be used as a tool, leveraged for a nefarious purpose, or you can leverage it for a good reason, well, a good that's, purpose. That's scary me because like with this whole deep fake thing i was oh, thinking the man. other day i was thinking the <laughs> other day wait you take analytics that you get on somebody mm-hmm. the ability to deep fake someone's voice in their video mm-hmm. and then you take vr technology and you put that all in one you could literally like think about yeah. the best thing that sells in america is sex right you could probably make <laughs> the craziest <laughs> 
like, and it's scary because I'm not even talking about from a. You like, can literally create the video evidence of Donald Trump. Yeah, you can create they that. Get his ass arrested and impeached. What I'm talking about is I'm not even talking about self-serving way. I'm talking about like in a crude type of way of like if someone knows enough information about your daughter, mm -hmm. they can literally piece. have. Well, no, they can literally have sex daughter. virtual. But okay, so think about how see, disturbing that's the thing that is. I'm just using that as one right, but non-literal VR. So this is the, the gray space between the internet today and how connected we are to it and real world consequences versus IRL and how what people say online does or doesn't correlate to our real world reality, right? So right. you can make a deep fake sex video, right? As right. a hit piece. It doesn't even have to be a, the person you want to target specifically, right? If that person has a daughter, you put her in the sex video, right? You take on any photo from Facebook, right? Do a composite yeah. analysis from all of her photos so that you get all the facial movements that you need, right? Yeah. Because all you have to do is go to somebody's profile, especially if it's just an open profile. It's not locked down to just friends and family. If it's just an open profile, you just go and you can, you can copy, you can download, you can screenshot and edit from there. You know, there's nothing that stops on on Facebook's website that stops you from just screenshotting on your screen, emailing yourself a photo, and then cropping and editing. Right. right? You can do all of that. You add that with the deep face tech, right? Mm -hmm. And then you put it into a VR system, right? So it does all the composite. It takes still frames, puts them in the motion for you, all of that tech, and you can make a hit piece on somebody that targets an entirely different person that's related to them. Right. Right. And now exactly. you're like three degrees removed from a person that you're trying to character assassinate, and you're mm -hmm. effectively doing it, but it comes back to nobody because it's about their daughter. Exactly. And, and that's so while exactly they're what I'm talking about. Officially running around schools, talking right. to friends, best friends, investigating, looking at the boyfriend, the girlfriend, whoever, right. and it's a political hit, right? right. Or a, uh, a personal attack. And see, that's why I was just talking to somebody the other day, and they were saying that the key to just fixing a lot of things, like socially, economically, and politically, is just making sure that the next generation is raised in this environment that's non-toxic, right? Mm. So, like, non-toxic things. Because when we talk about, when I sit here and I say, yeah, that's scary when you have all these different technologies combined into one, but if you don't have a culture that's, like, not toxic, mm. then that probably becomes not an issue. But I definitely see our generation... And the generation after us, mm -hmm. which Struggling is like not this new generation that's coming up now, yeah, you're talking trying to keep it right, trying to keep it this toxicity around because it sells because that's like right. it's what that is what the meta the money in the world right. right now. That is the meta of our right. money maker right now. Right, like I get and they that. Don't want a new meta coming around. Like I get that. Right, but my thing of it is that I think right now a lot of people are waking up to the fact that it's a lot of outrage over what you can't verify. Yeah, and right now so. Right. We grew up with the internet, right? We're really, we had the Macintoshes, we had the evolution of the internet to high speed, 4T, 5, was it, 5T LTE or whatever. And even now today, like, we understand 4G LTE, now it's 5G. Yeah, and, yeah. and even as consumers today, we have a solid understanding that just because we're in a city that has that, yeah. or we were born, we're raised around it, we understand that there are still pockets like where they that, that, that you could go to and you will be without right there. Right. There are still dead zones. 60 years from now, there's probably probably not going to be a dead zone in America. Yeah, assuming, the world. assuming those future generations really invest in the infrastructure, which they will inevitably have to, to continue to expand the internet and their access wherever they go, which they will want to do. This superficial well, evolution of yeah. humanity. Right? I mean, it's already going on because in places where they don't have internet, with internet, now they're doing this thing where they're creating, like, satellite mm -hmm. in those areas, or, uh, I don't know, you can probably, like, email in with this information, but I was reading something a long time ago where they 
balloons with mm. uh, with like relay antennas, ah, uh, something like that. But it was the purpose of the technology was to get internet connection in areas where there's not you're so like where there's not like a radio tower to catch yeah. the signal and then landlines to run it out. Right. So usually yeah. what we're doing right now is like fiber optic cables. Mm -hmm. So in areas where you can't do fiber optic cables, what they were doing is like using I think like drones or balloons mm -hmm. or like right. low atmospheric satellites. I don't know, something like that. It was it was a partnership with Google mm -hmm. that I think they were doing mm -hmm. and getting that out. So that was pretty I but that just that just that. right that just shows that like we're trying to get internet everywhere now. right like so where it's not so like where we hear a lot of people talk about now internet is like a utility right mm -hmm. like a common good like internet's like water like water mm -hmm. air trying to and, well it used to be internet. now it's right currently water, it's air, not power, like, it used internet. to be treated as a utility because right. so it's become so vital to our day-to-day -day lives whether it's a gps in your car or your phone's gps whether you're using google maps or imaps um how you pay for money if you're going to use Apple Pay or the uh, tap and swipe, tap and go pack, right? Yeah. It's out there in big cities. You have to have that internet connection. But on top of that, to have that connection, you then have to be currently paying somebody for the secondary middleman service, right? right? You're, you're paying Apple for a phone service or you're paying a data plan, right? You're paying for a data plan to somebody, whether it's Straight Talk, Metro PCS, T-Mobile, Verizon, well, Metro by T-Mobile, now they're different. Now I'm Metro by T-Mobile. Oh, man. Dude, I used to work for Metro PCS. Yeah. That would be hard to say Metro by T-Mobile every time. Uh, <laughs> and the crazy thing is, it's yeah. all pretty much by everybody. Because yeah. they all use... Yeah. Prep. Those of you listening who are unaware of this fact, every time you see a cellular commercial and they're talking about who's on the bigger data network or who's on the bigger, broader spectrum, who serves more people, everybody uses the same infrastructure technology, okay? You don't have it's all five individual antennas and one of them only processes ATT signals and one of them only processes Verizon no. signals or Sprint signals it's or whatever. This, it's this weird thing that we humans have done where we decide this is mine and this is yours, even right. though they're in the same toy box. Right. I mean, that's the whole concept, where it's like, I have an Iron Man toy, and I have kids, so this is why I'm using this analogy. I have an <laughs> Iron Man toy, and you have a Hulk toy, but at the end of the night, when I tell you, like when someone tells us to clean up our room, they all go in the same toy box. It's the same thing. Same it's thing. all made out of metal. It all, all transmits all signals. Right. All of our cell phones here in the States are working off the same frequency of signal. The only difference is... Well, not the same frequency. I would... So, if we're going simple, yeah. Yeah. It. Uh, we're not going to get into whole yeah. the hertz and okay. radio wave and the yeah. physics that goes into that. But, suffice it to say, it all it processes the same place. it all the same way, yeah. right? If I have Sprint, he's got Metro PCS, our signals go out because we're talking to each other on the phone. They're going into the same towers and out the opposite way, right? I'm going from one end, he's coming from the other end, just like a, like a relay race. And all talk They cross paths, and then they go back out the opposite way they came in, and mm -hmm. vice versa. They do that for connectivity, right? So mm -hmm. that's why you can call somebody on a different cell phone model than you. That's why you can call somebody who has a different service provider than right. you, because they all go through the same tech. Well, that just all gets down to our need to compete and separate. I mean, because like... And that's where antitrust laws right. come into play, right? right? Because for a while, the internet and cellular services were classified as a as a utility, and so you couldn't monopolize one area, right? So, like, that's why when you go from region to region in the United States, certain providers are more common in certain areas, 
right, down here in the South, or particularly in North Carolina, Metro PCS is pretty popular, but you have Sprint, ATT are the two big ones around, Verizon is another really big one. If you But if you went clear across the state, so Washington State, your local provider, right, mm-hmm. it's, is going to be bigger than ATT, which yeah. is our local provider here in North Carolina. But they're still using Verizon and Metro PCS towers. Yeah. Right? They're still using the same infrastructure. It's just a different name because antitrust laws say you have to provide X ratio of services to X profit lines in your region, right? Which is why mm-hmm. you have to have your cities be able to provide water to you. There's not 10 different people providing water because it's a public utility. Everybody has to have that as a standard of living. And the internet was the same way for a while until this administration reassigned positions on the net neutrality board and they reclassified it from a utility-based product to a... um, What's not a national resource? It's private resource, basically. So... Mm -hmm. It's primarily, so the, rather than it being falling under, the management of it falling under the federal government issues, it falls under the state governance issues, and states obviously tend to favor privatized management over state management because it's much harder for the states to manage that amount of data, mm-hmm. right? It's way harder for the state to manage millions of people's phone call data plus their internet usage data, plus their text message data, yada, 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 than it is for the federal government who has massive servers and massive amounts of money and teams coordinated. To make sure that if you say bomb on the internet, it will be flagged. <laughs> so now, we'll be flagged. <laughs> well, pretty much everyone's flagged on the internet, but right. everybody's flagged for something. It's just if you're how many concerned, times are you flagged? <laughs> well, so it used to be if you were really concerned about your data policy, you yeah. could download this web browser called Tor. But a recent does um, Tor even work anymore? Like, is the dark well, that web was even the, a thing? It was basically like an interface to the dark web before mm-hmm. the dark web became popular. Right? It was where people who wanted to innovate in radical ways and not have the government come in and say, what you created is absolutely amazing, but it's a threat to our current systems technology, and therefore it's a threat to national security. We're going to black bag and tag it. You still get to exist as a human being, but you never created this product. And then 20 years when we release it, you still can't claim this product as your own, even though you're the first person who invented it, right? So wait, this happened with Tor? This sort of happened with Tor, right? Okay. So what happened was it happened in a very internet-based way in that as the world became more connected and backdoors became more popular and people, more people started using it in the early years of data collection, what happened was Tor became a primary target mm-hmm. for people looking for ne'er-do-wells, right? Whether you're the DEA, FBI, ATF, federal government of the United States, Russia's secret police, UK's Interpol, Right, all these agencies started feeding in undercover agents through Tor, right? Mm-hmm. And they started Which sending them out to create real yeah. world connections, right? To us to other people yeah. on the other end of the dark web. So no more buying illegal guns, no right? More That's much harder to do over the internet. And right. so what happened was this recent investigation came out Just in the like UK all the people out there trying to get Craigslist pick up yeah. off of Craigslist. <laughs> can't do it anymore. No, no more. <laughs> but um, this recent investigation, I think it was out of the out of Britain or somewhere in the either in the UK or in uh, Germany maybe. I don't know. There was an investigation and what it found was that Russia had specifically 
maybe it's not WikiLeaks. Russia had specifically funded a uh, program to build a decryption key for Tor specifically. And so Whoa. what they did was that they then started, similarly to how you would create an IRL meetup by first creating an online handshake with somebody yeah. like, on the dark web, what they did was that in those message-to-message -message interactions, they were running this first-generation hacker software to mm -hmm. decrypt Tor's ISP. And for those who are unfamiliar, what Tor did was it basically bounces your ISP address around all kinds of places to mask where you're coming from, right? To, like to whatever website you're going to. The entrance to blockchain. Right. Like right. A step before blockchain. Right. And so basically what Russia was doing is they're creating hijack exits, right? Mm -hmm. Every time you're sending them a message, there's a chance for their machine to keep running the tumbler and trying mm -hmm. to track you down. And they managed to program it so that it was basically untraceable because of this first-generation tech. Nobody had seen it before. Nobody knew to look for it. And I think the uh, investigation found that, they, that Russia had successfully been able to decrypt something like 300,000 IP addresses in the Western Hemisphere. It was insane. It was See, like, Russia be doing everything, <laughs> and they just be sitting over there chilling. I mean, I'm not racist. I don't hit on nobody. But I mean, like, Stranger Things, Season 3... Okay. So true. Because they be just, the no. I don't watch the Ninja Thing, so this is out of my depth. No, I'm Sorry. just saying. No, I'm just, no it's, it's where culture meets political, where, like, mm. you know, basically Strange Things 3, they brought out the fact that the Russians were kind of, like, secretly I running know. this program. I'm not the oh, so it, it's where they actually introduced the fact that, like, the Russians were secretly operating in the town of Coffin before, I don't know, it's shady whether or not it was they were operating during the events of the first and second season mm -hmm. or after so I, I have to go back and watch it again to see but it's just <laughs> basically this theme that we're running where like i mean and it's kind of semi-true it's just based on your opinion mm. where wherever there is a technological advancement the russians are already been there in the case of like bob lazar and his <laughs> things on eric 51 or they're right behind. They're in See, it, this and is the we don't really. We I think this really is a misconception much. we have. I mean, because this is my thing. Wherever there's technological advancements, there's already three. There's always three or four powers that are always involved. Right. Somebody in the G7, America, yeah. the U.S., Russia. Europe, some country in Europe, mm -hmm. mainly the U.K., mm -hmm. Russia, and China. And we use these political things to be like, oh, look at Russia, look at China. These are our enemies. That going against us, but we forgot that, like, back then, when we were sending rockets to the moon, whether or not you believe we actually sent rockets to the moon. <laughs> it was a race to see who could build the first rocket to go to the moon, right. not because we wanted to explore, because we probably were thinking about building a base on the moon in case anybody bombs. Yeah, national security, right. national pride leads to technological innovation. Exactly. So... My thing is, is that Russia, whenever some national thing comes up where we're talking about technology and being weaponized, we always hear Russia, we always hear China, and they're always involved. They're always, a, they're always right there with us or a step behind, man. <laughs> you gotta, gotta watch it. I'm just telling everybody out there, like, now, I'm not hating on any other countries, but you gotta understand, the U.S. isn't the only shark in the water. You know right. what I'm saying? Like... There's so, other sharks. 
on the beach at Shark Week. So, so this is, <laughs> but this is the misconception I think a lot of people have with one technological innovation and how it occurs and its relationship to science. People, a lot of people think you know scientists and engineers are the reason that things get created, and um, in part that's true. That's like half of the equation. Yeah. The other half of the equation is that those scientists who spend all their days thinking and troubleshooting these problems are not out there fundraising and making money. They're in the lab troubleshooting and engineering. Yeah. Right? Which means somebody has to bring the money Someone to the table so that they can literally take yeah. raw materials, sculpt them into the, the very first model of what they're thinking of and see if it works. And then the funding rolls in for Gen 2 and Gen 3 and Gen 4 and 50 generations of the tech later, it's finally ready to go to market, right? right? Or it's finally ready for applicable use. Most of that money has historically and will continue to come from a federal government source, right? Whether you're a Russian rocket scientist or a green engineer in the U.S., most of your money is going to come from the federal government. And if it's coming from a private source, nine times out of ten, that private source has a contract or owns part of a subsidiary that has a federal contract to then take that technology and implement it to complete the requirements of that contract, whether or not it's making battery tech more efficient and smaller and more lightweight so that it weighs less in the headset of a, of a special ops soldier, or whether it's making batteries more efficient for surgeons so that they can have on-the-go mm-hmm. field trauma equipment to successfully pull shrapnel out of a chest wound, mm-hmm. right, without collapsing a lung or incapacitating right. the person. So I think, in short, what we're saying is, no matter how much money you pay in taxes, <laughs> a portion, whether it be $0.14 cents or $14 or 1400 always goes towards some issue mm-hmm. that you see mm-hmm. in the news mm-hmm. yeah. or something you may agree with. Right, with. and eventually... We as the public benefit from that innovation. We benefit from that military contract. Technological advancements and military applications have gone hand in hand since before World War One. All right. Right. Since the Civil War. Back in the Civil War and the Revolutionary War, right? When you had the British Empire Mm -hmm. trying to map out shipping lanes to make shipping more efficient for the East India Trading Company, you had the creation of the handheld telescope, and you had the creation of this mechanism called the chronometer, which literally was about the size of a table, and it was the first maritime-based naval clock so that you could track your position by longitude and latitude with pinpoint accuracy so that you could track when and when you were not off course based on how far you had traveled already, based on how far you had to go, and based on your star maps and your time, right, of the season. And you would adjust the clock at the beginning of the trip, set it up, and then it would keep you on track in theory. Now, there are a lot of issues with it, freak accidents of nature that you couldn't predict, you know, hurricanes, tidal changes, things that they weren't aware of back then. But that innovation, which is what led to nautical map, right, nautical advancements and ship warfare, shipping lanes become more efficient, commerce becomes cheaper, which is what leads to the increase in tax by the British government, which then leads to the Revolutionary War sparked by the Boston Tea Party. Right. Because commerce became so efficient, the British Empire felt they were losing money to the East India Trading Company, so they increased taxes on their territory. 
that resulted in a revolutionary sentiment that was set off by the Boston Tea Party. Christmas Atticus dies. Revolutionary War. The Union is formed with just 13 colonies. It's a crazy. It is crazy. All because somebody somewhere in Europe managed to calculate longitude and latitude via mathematics to a point where they could then go to the British crown and say, I've got the skills to build you a machine that will make you billions of dollars. Technology starts work. Billions of dollars in today's money. Back right. then, it was probably just hundreds. A couple hundred thousand. Right. <laughs> but back then, they also traded right. primarily in gold. So then, yeah. Paper right. money was just becoming a thing right. then. You got some gold now. Rolling into. Especially gold from back then. Yeah, that was straight out. You got some gold bullion <laughs> lying around, son. You better hide it. The oh, government's yeah. gonna come take that shit oh, like they did in World War One. Yeah. Oh yeah. When they had to finance the uh, global oh, war yeah. by gold, and then when the war ended, oh. somehow they didn't return that gold. Exactly. And now it just sits up in a fort, Technology and they use it to pay off war. the national debt. You ever, you ever buy a new phone? Mm-hmm. You ever buy a new phone? And then you get that new phone straight out the box, you're playing with it, and your wife comes over and it's like, let me see, let me do something. Technology starts wars. You don't want that No, 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 no. See, I don't have that problem. My wife is Team iPhone, and I oh, am Team Android, so she doesn't too. want to fuck okay. with my shit, so I don't want to fuck this, with her shit. This is a similarity, because my wife is always also Team iPhone, and I'm also Android. So, yeah, that's, that's, yeah. That's I don't want to fuck with her shit. Don't get me wrong, I love Apple's politics. They fight for their privacy of their clientele. I applaud them for that, but let's be real, the iOS updates take too fucking long. Sorry. Yeah. When you create something just, as proprietary yeah. as that, and as niche as what Apple has invented, and then don't have until other people make it, and then advance that it, that initiator. you can then take and advance it as the initiator. You get into this niche thing where Apple is, where yeah, they're super profitable, but they're not nearly as efficient. You kind of you lose people like me who I'm like, I need my tech for facilitate my day-to-day life. I'm not around here to facilitate it or apps on my phone. I'm well, not getting yeah. consent to have the shit yeah. on my phone. What I'm doing is I'm using yeah. the calculator, the alarm clock, message to message, call logs, and the dial pad in the internet browser. That's six apps that I use on my phone on a regular basis. Everything else is jump well, out and camera for better. Unlike you, so, I use my phone for a lot of things. But I like the freedom of Android. Mm-hmm. Just being able to do more on my phone than I can do on Apple. That gives me. But we have to run into one thing. Mm-hmm. Where, like our phones on the OS mm-hmm. that's run by the number one analytic company mm-hmm. in the world. Mm-hmm. So it's like, is it you? Which evil do you want? <laughs> Which I mean, evil do you want? Yeah. Because I mean. Things. But again, yeah. as, and this is where we come back to it. Hey guys, we wanted to take a quick break to let you guys know that if you want to donate, you can do so at Money Signed by Cameron Avilas on the Cash App. So if you want to donate, again, that's Money Signed by Cameron Avilas on the Cash App. We had to cut a large part out here because the rain came in. Gambler was talking about the Death Valley in in eastern United States. So we pick right back up here with a call for everybody in Death Valley to move to North Carolina because of the good weather. So turn the volume back up on your headphones or in your car and uh, keep listening. Come to North Carolina. Where it's nice and sunny and muggy. It's sunny, muggy, and a little bit of rain. And you know what? We got good food. Yeah. Our politics are kind of shit, but you'll survive. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
We got a lot yeah, of grassroots programs around here, but we're also the reddest state in the union right. by most political metrics. Well, and our large KKK presence. North Carolina okay, is listen. one of the weirdest states where we talk about pockets of political presence. It's yeah. just like, it's, it's literally very like, you have a pocket of KKK here, and when you cross over into the next pocket, it's like totally different political yeah, zone. So, it's so weird. So the thing so about like, the KKK in North Carolina is that it's very, like, splintered. Right. Mm-hmm. The state chapter headquarters is just north of uh, Greensboro, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And then you have a little ways west of that towards Winston-Salem, you have one of the most dangerous counties mm-hmm. to drive through as a, as a minority, as a black and brown person, called Forsyth County. And the mm-hmm. sheriff that has been sheriff there for the last 40 years, <coughs> corruption. Um, is that where Morgan, Morganton is? Uh, can't say I'm not driving through Morganton. Oh, on the way to Asheville? It work. Oh, no, no, no. That's just north. Okay. That's just, so that's north of Winston-Salem. Mm-hmm. If you go west of Winston-Salem, like west oh, by okay. southwest, uh-huh. you're crossing Forsyth County. Morganton is in the county just north of Forsyth, okay. I believe, okay. which is still pretty bad. Um, but Forsyth is considered the most dangerous county to drive through as a black or brown person um, in terms of traffic stops by state troopers and um, the like. It is extremely volatile people there, I shouldn't say the people, the uh, officers there are trained in a very aggressive manner, and the, uh, the, N- the NAACP believes it is, has labeled it the most dangerous county in North Carolina to drive through. Yeah. Now, there's arguments for Harnett County. Mm-hmm. There's a, I don't know if this is still true, but when I was in high school a few years back, I had a teacher who came up out of Harnett Community College, and when he was there at the <clears> community <throat> college, the college still reserved the time in the public space, speaking space on campus, which all colleges are required to have. Um, you have to have a public speaking space. For most state colleges, it tends to be like the sidewalks through campus tend to be labeled as public speaking spaces. Mm-hmm. But for this particular community college, I think it's Harnett Community College, it's still reserved the time and space in their amphitheater or the uh, local head of the KKK company. Like, reserve the time. And you can have arguments till the sun goes down as to whether or not that's a free speech thing or whether or not it's a uh, support of racism by the people who run the college. You have that argument all you want. Do they give equal time to the black hair party? Mm, mm, that where, is the question. That's where we come to. That is the question. I bet. I bet you a hundred dollars if you went to that if college at that in time. Harnett County, please make this a thing. If you're black, <laughs> take it off the team. As <laughs> shitty as racial relations are in America right now, it's not lynch mob era. Right. It's not. In, they, just in make it like, they just make it like... Now, you go to places like Baltimore or Ferguson, that is a hotly contested subject. You know, yeah. police brutality and police forces. Well, I just think now they just make your life a living hell and they're uncomfortable. I, that's how I feel like racism yeah. is now. Where it's like, since... Yes. Okay, so this no is longer over. This is where the, the line between, because we have to realize that everything involved, right? Mm. So now we live in a time where actions carry less weight than actual feeling. Right. So now we're controlled a lot by emotion. We want to be, we want to be, we want somebody to verify what I'm looking for. Mm. Like we need validation. That's the word. We need validation. We need somebody to validate us. So we post something on social media. How many right. likes we get? Yeah. Like that's the validation. We're looking for somebody to right? relate to. So now I think in this time, not getting validation and being made to making somebody not getting validation and other people making you feel uncomfortable is equal to not letting you sit at the front of the boat. Mm. Or like not letting mm. you drink out of water fountain, right? Because mm-hmm. based off of the 
weight of how certain things feel in our society, like, that's equal now. Like, mm -hmm. we're not going to follow you on Facebook. We're not going to follow you on Instagram. We're not going to let you get a permit to organize in this space because, like, you know, now, mm -hmm. like, that carries the same weight as, you know, not letting you be able to have any rights to vote. Like, it's the same thing. And we have to realize that, Is like, it really that it's the same thing? Okay, so I don't... So there's going to be a lot way. of arguments, right? If we were to take out the fact that things change and meaning, the meaning of things, like the intent of things changes over time. Right. So, like, when you're a kid, somebody telling you no is something that you thought of. When you're an adult, somebody telling you no is something where you're like, ah, okay, I'm going to do my thing somewhere else. Or I'm going to do it anyway. I'm not suffer the consequences. The thing is that now we have that backwards mentality. Now, now like, when we're adults and people say that we can not now, before, if you want to take that analogy, before we were adults, before when somebody told us, no, you just did it anyway, and you moved forward, right? Or you suffered consequences. Mm -hmm. But now we're moving back to the kid age, where like, or moving back to the kid age, where somebody's telling us no, and we're crying about it, and they're not even backing it up with force. They're right. just saying no. Right. They're just, it's not like somebody has their hand to your chest holding you back from walking through the door. Mm -hmm. They're just standing at the door telling you no. You don't even try to walk through the door. That's the way our society is set up now. Like, emotion rules everything. Mm -hmm. Unless you can break past emotion, that's the people that make it. But since the society is set up to be ruled by emotion, now weight is distributed in different areas. So, like, a muscle atrophy. Like, yeah. the social muscle uh -huh. has atrophy. Yeah, yeah, the social consciousness right. has become softer. But since the, muscle is, since the muscle is so weak and so small, even the smallest amount of force that would not have made any difference on a, on somebody who's been training for years mm -hmm. breaks that atrophy muscle. You understand what I'm saying? That's kind of how it is with the social society now. So now I feel like racism has matched our society where they're not really lynching people anymore, tarring or feathering people, chasing people down with dogs, but they're cutting you off social media and they're not letting you gain a following and by not letting you gain a following you don't make a living you don't get any money and they're not you know okay so not letting you organize let me talk. like you know so here because my question here's the gray area with social media right and this is this is part of the this is the public debate that's going on in policy right now in the uk and in part in america in the senate right now in the senate hearings with social media and censorship because currently social media platforms twitter instagram Facebook, whatever, they classify themselves not as publishers, right? Yeah. Like, not as newspapers or publishing house, but simply more so as a town square, right? Where like anybody, right, anybody yeah. can, is supposed to be able to say what they want, as long as it's not, you know, inciting violence, quote-unquote, targeting a specific person. But in actuality, we've seen recently through various political scandals and various tech scandals that there is specific targeting and specific censorship going on in big tech. Now, here's the problem. Here's the duality that they employ to keep themselves protected. There are companies that were built, founded, started in America, and then they go global. So they start out in a capitalistic free society where they adhere to our constitutional rules and rights, and then once they go to a global scale, they say, well, because we have to meet the demands of the rest of the world, and we have to function as 
in those countries the way they want us to. And because the rest of the world is technically bigger than the U.S., the companies then say, well, we're adopting a more U.N. globalistic policy-based apparatus of how we do or do not censor things versus a American-based censorship, which is 99% of things are free speech protected, mm-hmm. including hateful speech, not that hate speech, but hateful speech is technically protected as your opinion, as long as you're not inciting violence or targeting people. And that's a clear distinction I want to make to the listeners, that there's hateful speech that is protected, and then there is the debate about hate speech and whether or not it is or isn't protected. And that's a whole so other conversation. Oh, right. But so the like, gray area for big yeah. tech is, and this yeah. is the question that I've, I've been watching a lot of the Senate hearings, and this is the big question that no one got. And Dan Crenshaw came close to asking it, but he didn't quite hit on it. If a company is built its backbone in America before it goes global, does America as a country, does the legislative branch of America, A, have a right to protect the people of the United States constitutional rights and tell that company if you're going to continue to operate in the U.S., you must follow our rules. Now, that being said, that's a question that needs to be asked and it needs to be answered. The answer is no. Then, that means that U.S. citizens have to answer another question. Their question becomes, do I want to use a platform that does not protect my constitutional rights that my country says I have, right? Because, and this is the key thing, if the government decides they can't hold social media platforms to our constitutional law, that means you, as a citizen who chooses then to use that app, to use that social media platform, whether it's to build a business, to voice your opinion, to communicate about hot-button issues like abortion or racism, you, by continuing to use a platform that has been identified as not a friendly platform to the U.S. Constitution, are therein giving up your right. Now, it seems like you wouldn't be because you would think that as a citizen, you could sue them and you'd win, and you might win in the state. But if the government recognizes them as a global institution, not a U.S.-based institution, you'd have to sue them in the U.N., not in America. And that's a whole host of money that most of us don't have to begin with. And it's a whole host of other issues where America's right, American rights in the United States of America are not necessarily recognized by the UN Council in the ways that we live them and execute them today. All right, so I, I heard I'm making an appeal here. I think we should start that at the beginning of the next podcast. <laughs> we should put, we should hit on a couple things. That what you're saying is like you're saying first is how are we defining the role of what social media companies are doing in relation to its place in our government globally and locally, so like globally throughout the world and in our country. Like how are, how are we going to control that or not going to control that? Also, I want to hit on what you said earlier, which is basically like, are these companies, should they be censoring people based off of what people think? And how, what is that rooted in? Is that rooted in logic? Is that rooted in feeling? I think that would be a good thing to explore. So just start with social media and then for a lot of conversations from there. What do you think? I think that'd be a great place to start in the next one, especially because more hearings will have come out by then. Um, again, and again, the primary question being, do social media companies based in the U.S. initially, when they first start up, are they culpable to our constitutional law as a United States citizen after they join the global market? If they are, right? If we can prove that they are, whether it's precedent or providence, right? Like, because you came from us, you are therefore beholden onto us. Or, or does it become a issue of, well, because you joined the global market, now we no longer have sole jurisdiction over your company, but your company has to protect 
the rights of the users in our country, right? Mm -hmm. So as a U.S. citizen, our right to free speech, as we know it to be a free speech, must be protected. So even we if... We organize the world under one world. Right, order. so that's where it gets complicated, <laughs> because you can see tweets from around the world, right? Let's right. take Twitter, for example, exactly. with the hot button thing right now. If I tweet something in the U.S. that offends somebody in the U.K., it becomes an issue. Right, and they're like, well, no, they right? targeted me because I'm a... Let's say the person in the U.K. says I targeted them as a protected person in the U.K. That's a lot of questions. Yeah. Did I actually target that person specifically? Does that qualify as targeting in America, right? If they're going to sue me, or does that qualify as targeting in the U.N.? Just because they're a protected person, does that mean I violated their personal rights? Or did I just make an offensive remark based on their interpretation? Or vice versa. If I'm offended or targeted by, by some social media influencer or personality in the U.K., and then my life becomes a living hell, can I sue that person? Is that person responsible for inciting their subscribers or their followers to then message me? Are they responsible for those individual acts? In America, nine times out of ten, we say no. But in the UK, based on what I've been able to read and understand, it's vastly different, you know. So that's the key thing. Where does the legal line get drawn in on which country's principle is the legal line based on? And should it be based on the home country that that country came from, right? Is it proprietary to that country? Like a lot of engineering. When people talk about cars in India, I had this argument with my friend who's a mechanic the other day, and he was like, well, this car is a German car because it was built in Germany. I'm like, look, friend, if I gave you $2 million to go build an engine in a different country, is it from that country because that's the factory that had the, the space and the supplies and the utilities for you to build it? Or is it in a is it a U.S.-based engine because that's where the engineer who built it is from? And he was like, it's not the same. I'm like, answer the question. If I paid you to go to a different country and build the engine, right? I'm not telling you to go get new citizenship. I'm not telling you to go own property in another country. I'm saying work in this country for a year or two. Build me a new engine. Is it from that country? Or is it from the country you're from? And that's the issue with the internet and the conversation that we're having. Right. Like, it's a global yeah. resource. Yeah. No matter how net neutrality plays out. It's a global resource. It was literally put into place to be a, a man-made natural resource that we're using for supposedly for the betterment and advancement of humanity. But then you have shit like what happened in Turkey a few years ago where the government was experiencing a coup d'etat. Mm -hmm. And so they tried to shut down the internet and social media platforms to prevent people from talking about it, to censor the people, to keep the people from coordinating and but assembling. Like in India or in the Arab Spring? Oh, Can you imagine what would happen if, like, the U.S. government the tried to shut down the internet yeah. specifically to prevent the right All of assembly? All those 14-year-olds without Snapchat? Yeah! Their parents would go crazy. Their parents would be out be like, <laughs> I can't stand my 14-year-old yelling in my ear anymore. Right. Turn this shit back on. My my kids are talking about Old Town Road. I can't stand it anymore. Turn mm -hmm. the internet back on. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a great, but social media culpability and the ramifications thereof would be a great place to start. Go so talk about video games and why he doesn't want to play Apex Legends. Oh, don't get me started on EA and gambling and AAA shit, dog. We're going to have to cover that in another one, man. I'm telling you. We'll, we'll get into it again and we'll figure out why the UK has a problem with it, why Hawaii has a problem with it, why Oregon's got a problem with it. Mm -hmm. In Apex Legends, you said just get a long start ball. shooting people, then you'll be like, yeah. I why would I game. want a longbow when I go play Gears of Legends and shoot a torque bow? <laughs> oh, you mean Gears of War? I said Gears of Legends. Ah!
That's I got that League of Legends. That would be a, that would be a dope combo though. That would League be sick of as hell. If you had League of Legends and the Gears of War playstyle, <laughs> third person tactical over the shoulder. <laughs> Woo! Or you had Gears of War and Legends and League of Legends. That would be dope. I don't know. I feel like that's just like XCOM. I've never played XCOM. I didn't either, but I had a friend who played it a lot in uh, mm-hmm. college, and it was really just like Gears of War, but it was like uh, RTS tactical based turn by turn, and it was a lot less interesting than mashing the B button to cut open a locust brain. Yo, that is that was a great <laughs> Yeah. Oh, and the chainsaw fights. Oh, oh. you know I missed last weekend the Gears of War five tech test. They did like a I think it was an alpha or a beta of Gears of War five on Xbox. What? Yeah, Damn. I, I totally missed it. Too. I was too busy playing Apex. <laughs> I was too busy playing uh, RuneScape and uh, League of Legends. I'll get back into League yeah. of Legends. I, I took my uh, mid-season break to be top five. Oh, okay. Which is probably not good for me this season because they've broken up rankings based on three season, three mini-season segments. So I oh. basically missed all of like the second segment for rank, which is honestly fine. I don't yeah. get paid to play the game, all right? I'm not a pro streamer. I'm not in the top 20% of the world. You're not ninja. No, I'm not ninja. <laughs> I'm not solo renekton. I'm not Ryu. Yeah. I ain't nobody. I'm not Faker. And I'm not out here pretending. Me. What I am is a fucking Teemo main bitch. Fuck with me. I will ruin your game. Win or lose. No idea what that means. That's all right. Yeah, all, the, all of our listeners out there who play League of Legends and know what Teemo is and who Teemo is, understand this. I am a Teemo main, and win or lose my match, I will ruin your game. Okay? I will win by proxy, and I will laugh all the way to hell. Alright, so for everybody that plays Epic Legends out there, I'm a Pathfinder <laughs> main. Yes, I'm Spider Man. Pathfinder uses his grapple. Dude, nothing can swing you anywhere you want to go. Bootleg Spider-Man. You don't even know Miles Morales. (laughs) You just Miles. Well, you know, okay, so you played Titanfall 2 for a little bit. You know those robots that were, like, working on the plants and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, Pathfinder is a a mark, but he's, like, he's an upgraded one that has, like, grapple gear. I think I've seen you playing. Yeah, it's not bad. Like, and this is the thing about Apex. I'm not hating on Apex. Apex looks like a well-executed battle royale with moderately balanced RPG, but it's made by a company that is vastly corrupt and is literally standing trial right now in some of our states in the United States and in the UK for getting minors addicted to gambling. Are you really comparing Look, EA to okay, Tupac right now? So that's exactly what we'll talk about next, too. The rose I feel like, in the cement just look, withered and died, look, Cameron. We'll talk about that on the next podcast, uh, too, because you know that I feel like it is totally up to the parents that make the cheddar on whether or not they want their kids to spend it. So, okay, it's not first predatory. Of all, you, as well as I, uh, know kids are extremely yeah. good at sneaking into their parents' wallet and snatching cards. That's a security issue, though. That has nothing to do with EA. That has everything Do you think the kid would do that if they weren't addicted to those gambling loot boxes? Not that they have to be addicted, but if they weren't incentivized by that loot box chance. That's where you as a parent come in where you allow your kids that's true too. To play I'm the not games. arguing that. You, your kid should not and be out there playing the AAA playing games all their life. You your kid should not be out there playing a the AAA game right. created infrastructure that has loop bot mechanics in it. But I just think Apex that Legends is not rated in for mature, is it? I don't even know the rating for it, but it's um, nice. probably not. Probably not. It's probably rated T. I mean, there's no cussing. Well, there's hell. I don't know. Is hell still a cuss word? 
Yeah, I don't know, but that's the only cuss word in there, really. There's no F word, there's no S word. There's I'm just saying, getting up gambling in a fucking kid's game to me. I don't think it's gambling. gambling. It's all skins. are gambling. It's all skins. It's a slot machine. That. It's You choose whether or not you want to do it. In, in, a- okay. Right. Okay. in Apex Legends, it's purely cosmetic. But in the other game, it's not. Like what? Uh, Destiny, for example. Purely cosmetic. Destiny. Destiny. Destiny's loot boxes had small ads. that EA, though? That's Bungie. No. Bungie's okay, the maker so- of the publishing house, which dictates how a game is actually published after it built was Activision. And Activision has had these historically had the same problem in their games mm-hmm. as EA. Like many other AAA publishers, they say, we need microtransactions. We need these loot box mechanics, which in the in the UK, they're calling surprise mechanics. In the Senate hearing in the UK, or the Parliament hearings, they're calling surprise How's mechanics. How is it a surprise mechanic? How is it a surprise mechanic? Well, I have to punch mean? in a 15-digit code, an expiration date, and a CD code on the back. That's not no, a surprise, bitch. I don't think that's bitch. what they mean by surprise mechanic. I think what they mean is like, you bought this surprise, you get nothing, or you get something, but it's all a gamble. Of course, that's what they meant, but it's but all a slot machine. You know that when you spend... Your ten dollars get a thousand currency for whatever game you play. Any person knows that you gamble on whether or not you're gonna get something you want or not. Right. And that's the price that you pay for what you pay. Right. But that's the but price kid. that you pay for a game that you enjoy. But kid. again, that has nothing it's to not, do with it's the not game. about that whether or not they're gonna the gamble. It's, a, it's a larger household. impact problem. It's we not about, about whether or not the kid Look. is aware of the consequences. The problem is incentivizing that behavior creates a pattern yeah, of behavior sense. within the child. Well, folks, that has been the podcast. It was lovely having you guys listening. Stay tuned for our next episode. By now, you should already know if you want to donate, you can do so by going to Cash App and donating to Money Sign by Cameron Avilas. And that is Money Sign by Cameron Avilas. Thank you, folks. Bye.